Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. My name is Ryan Walker. Um, really excited to talk with you guys today. My wife Erin is over there. She's going to wave. We help out in the elementary, so we're back there with your people. Pray for us. Pray for us. Um, I told JD these are my skinniest jeans, so I did my best. Um, so we've been talking about, like JD said, the OGs of the Old Testament going through the five major prophets. This is the last week of that series. Um, I think it's an important thing for us to be doing. A lot of times it's easy for us 21st century Christians to think this is a big, thick part that I can just skip. This is like the Star Wars prequels. I can just skip them and go to what I know. Um, and so it's, it's really important for us to dig in there and see what is in there. These guys are called the major prophets, not because they're more important, just because they really said more stuff. They're longer. Um, so today we're talking about um, that the last of those five, which is Daniel, the book of Daniel. And I'm so excited. I actually got to kind of choose it. Um, and I'm really excited I got this one um, because it's awesome. This is such a great book. It's the skinniest of the five. So if I'm making my pitch for you to read one of them, this is kind of the simplest task. Um, but it's a great book, and there is so much in here. I'm going to go through just some of the highlights. We're going to hit, we're going to dig deep on a couple things, but just to preview it, sell you on reading the book of Daniel, there's fad diets in here, man. There's some exciting stuff. Inspiration for your favorite VeggieTales episode. Right here. Right here. Um, there is a king transforming into a beast and walking around. That happens in the book of Daniel. Pretty wild stuff. There is a disembodied hand, Adam's family style, coming at you, writing on a wall. That's exciting stuff. And if that wasn't enough, then there's six chapters of end times prophecies that nobody understands to this day. We got beasts rising out of the ocean and all kinds of crazy stuff. So it is wild. It's awesome. It's exciting. Um, but as I read through the book of Daniel, I just spent um, the last few weeks just reading it, absorbing it, praying through it, saying, God, what is in here? And it's so much, you know, we've been talking about these five major prophets that a lot of them are touching on this issue of uh, Babylon coming, this, their enemies kind of coming and taking over and Israel going into exile in Babylon. And Daniel is at the epicenter of all that stuff. And the, the message in Daniel, we're going to touch on it, but one of the things that we see over and over again in all these prophets throughout the Bible, and it's why we're touching on the Old Testament because all of it points to this, is God is close. Our God doesn't do distance. And so Daniel is at the epicenter of this crisis. This is a national crisis, right? The people of God, if you're living in that time, we have the benefit of being 2,500 years later, and we go, this is a blip. There's other stuff happening. But if you're living in that time, just like for us, we're living in this time, it looks like this is it. This is what I'm, what I'm seeing. This, our nation is over. The, 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 the run of the people of God has ended, and we are in Babylon, and it's game over. And that's what they feel like. And God, in the midst of that, comes in and says, no, I want to demonstrate how close I am. I'm here. In the midst of that, I don't do distance. I'm right here in the enemy's camp. I'm in the midst of it. And then, in the midst of all that, over and over again in the book of Daniel, we'll talk about a couple stories briefly. There's this message of kingdoms come and kingdoms fall, but there is one kingdom that is everlasting. Right? There's one kingdom that will be around forever. And that's a big message if you think about people of God, right? Daniel and his friends and these other people who have lost their autonomy. They've lost their nation. 
And God's saying, you know what? This kingdom's here. Another kingdom's going to come. Another kingdom after that. But my kingdom is forever. And that's the message of Daniel. It's, it's a big, big deal. We're going to talk about that. So pray with me. and I'm going to get going here. Jesus, you are awesome. Over all of human history, you stand out, Jesus. You are everything, God. And I just ask today as we stand here in a moment in history, in a brief moment, I pray that we would be able to see your kingdom for what it is, Jesus. Give us eyes for your kingdom today, Jesus. Amen. So I'll tell you guys a little story. School's about to start up. Who's excited about school starting up? All the stay-at-home moms, holler at me. Um, School's starting up. And uh, one summer, summer before second grade, in fact, right, right around this time of year, I went with my mom to the store, and I was so pumped because we were doing some back-to-school shopping. Not the boring, let's go get some new pants and all that. I was getting a new lunchbox. Yeah. Every, every decent, God-fearing child of the 80s understands yeah. when it's time to get your lunchbox, you get psyched. Because I was resetting, I was ready for a new one. And I, I was ready to spend some time at this store, okay? Because they had all of them lined up, and I got to look through every single one of them. And they've got Voltron, and I'm like, Voltron, that's a passing craze. I don't want to put that my stamp on that. Um, right? I don't want to be pegged as that guy. I had a lot to figure out. And so I'm looking through every single one. And you got to look, not just at the, the lunchbox, but you got to look at the thermos. Does the thermos look good with the lunchbox? How am I going to be repped here? I spent a lot of time, I looked in and out of that store, and I walked out with a Thundercats lunch box. I was psyched, man. I could not wait for the first day of school. I'm bringing my Thundercats. I'm putting that up there. And I was ready to go, right? Show up on that first day of school, and I got my you know, new clothes and everything. I got my lunchbox, and I'm ready. And I show up in the second grade, and I discover a troubling truth, which is that apparently in the second grade, people start bringing a brown paper bag. Feel my pain. So I've got this Thundercats lunchbox, and I'm psyched about it, and everyone's got a brown paper bag. They've all grown up over the summer, and I'm still living <laughs> in the past. And... Um, so I'm, 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 I'm feeling, you know, a little, little troubled, right? So imagine the guy, this is similar to the guy who bought the last LaserDisc player before he knew this is over, right? <laughs> Here I am. You know, I just bought my Blockbuster stock. What's happening? You know, and um, so I get home from the first day of school. It wasn't too bad, but I knew I need to move on from this quickly. I cannot bring this thing back. So I dealt with it in my second grade brain, thought this thing, this problem was solved, uh, I hid it. I put it, I found a cabinet without a lot of important stuff, and I put the lunchbox in there. Next morning, I get up, and my mom's like, where's your lunchbox? I said, ah, I'll just, I'll just try to play it off. You know how second graders are really good at kind of playing it off. I said, oh, I just, I'll take a brown paper bag. No big deal. My mom's not having it. She's like, no, we got to find it. We just bought that thing. I'm not going to waste my, you know, $12.99. We're going to go find your lunchbox. So we're looking all over the house, and I'm, I'm sweating. I mean, I'm in a cold sweat. Like, I don't know, man. It's just not here, Mom. We'll, we'll look for it later. Eventually, it becomes clear this is not, nothing is going to move forward until we find this lunchbox. So the thing comes out. I'm humiliated. Everyone's like, what is going on? I'm crying. I don't want to bring a lunchbox. Everyone has a brown paper bag. It was rough. It's a traumatic memory for me. But here's why I'm telling the story. Sometimes when you're in the middle of something, it seems like it's going to last forever. 
Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it seems like, I got this lunchbox, this thing is good to go. I'm ready. And times change fast. I talk about the book of Daniel, these kings. Imagine, right, Daniel and his guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel's three best friends. That's their, they're renamed because the king says, I want to rename them. But the reason they're brought into Babylon, they're brought to live in the palace, and they're brought there for one reason. The reason they're brought there is the king, Nebuchadnezzar, says, I want to rule these people. And ruling is not just about who sets the laws. I want to invade their culture. So I go find me the best of the best. He tells his people, go get the best of the best. I want young men who are smart, the high aptitude, they're in good condition. I want to raise them in the palace and teach them our ways. That's why they're brought in. And so when they got brought in, uh, some things become clear really quickly, quickly to them. This is going to be his way. We're not going to be living as we lived before. And the first thing they say is, hey, we're going to have you guys eat the king's food and the king's wine. Sounds pretty good. And Daniel says, we're not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to eat that food. And it's kind of interesting. If you've read the book of Daniel, there's some other things these guys get asked to do that it's like, yeah, you kind of have to say no when you're at, you know, they say worship a golden statue. You've got to draw the line somewhere. But Daniel draws the line right here. He says, yeah, we're not going to eat the king's food which is pretty interesting, right? And I think the reason he does it is for the same reason, let me tell you about one of our current struggles. Our kids want to play outside in the water. They want to get the hose going. And what that means is in five minutes, they are soaking wet and all their clothes, they're not wearing swimsuits, they're wearing regular clothes, soaking wet. And they want to come in the house and it's a mess. And so we have learned the hose cannot be on at all. Because they'll say, I just want, I'm going to turn on a little bit. I'm going to turn on I'm turn on a little bit. I'm not even going to get wet. I'm just going to water the plants over here. <laughs> they think we're the stupidest people alive. And they're like, they're like, no, mama, I'm just going to turn on just a little bit. I just want to get my hand, I want to wash my hands in the hose. I want to turn the sprinkler on, water the grass. It's like, no, we're not, it's not happening. Because it, it, the moment they turn it on, it's just a series of very predictable dominoes until they are soaking wet and it's our problem. So we've learned you say no early, right? When there's a struggle, you say no early. And that's what Daniel's doing. I'm not going to sit here and just deal with a thousand compromises and figure out when the line is. I'm going to right now, I'm going to say, no, we're not eating the food. We're going to eat. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to eat vegetables and water. And it doesn't say whether the other guys were on board with that or not, right? Uh, Daniel speaks up for the group and everyone's like, thanks, Daniel. (laughs) Really looking forward to a baked potato, but that's cool. Um, and it launched a thousand fad diets, as we all know. But they said, we're going to eat vegetables and water. And the, the, the guard said, no, 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 man. Look, I like you guys, but I'm going to get in trouble. If I let you guys eat vegetables and water and you guys look skinny and, and you're not in good health and the other guys look real healthy, I'm going to be in trouble. And Daniel says, I'll tell you what. Let us do the thing. Let us eat what we want to eat. And we'll check it out, right? We'll see what it looks like in a couple weeks. And so he does. He lets them do that. He says, okay, I'm going to let you eat your vegetables and let you eat your water. We're going to see. And it turns out, when they do the test, they're in good health. They're in the best health of everybody. So now they say, vegetables and water for everybody. This is the new diet, which I'm sure Daniel got real popular real quick when everyone got, lost their steak and had to start eating vegetables. But it would have been so easy for Daniel. You think about the, the, the way our perspective works. We're, we are nearsighted, short-sighted people. We are spiritually myopic, is the word I'm going to come back to in a little bit. That means we see what's right in front of us. And we read this book, it's thousands of years ago, it seems like, man, context, like obviously this is just a short while, something else is going to happen. But think about your own life. 
Does it feel like that in your own life, or does it feel like this is reality? And I've got to figure out how to deal with this reality. It would have been so easy for Daniel to be like, man, it's, oh, we lost, right? We're prisoners here, and they're serving us food. This is not a place to negotiate. But Daniel said, no, no, no. I'm following another God. He has another kingdom, and that kingdom hasn't fallen. This is what I'm doing. I'm going I'm to eat my vegetables. I'm going to be here. I'm going to live God's way. So summary, Daniel does well. And what they find is Daniel and his friends, they learn the, all the stuff. They become wiser. So they become 10 times wiser than all of the king's magicians, all of the king's enchanters. And they, they develop this place of authority with the king because they, they stood their ground and said, this is what we're doing. And they lived God's way. God's way got them to a different place. So, a couple years later, king has a dream. And the king says, I feel like this is a significant dream. I want to know what it means. And all of the wise men come to the king and say, king, tell us, we'll interpret the dream for you. And he says, no, nah, I've been around you guys. I'm not going to tell you the dream. Whoever can tell me what the dream is, that's who I'm going to believe can interpret it. Well, now you're in a pickle, right? If you're, kind of, if you're the guy who's been kind of pulling the wool over the king's eyes and acting like you know everything, now it's like this is put up or show up. And they all are like, you can't ask this stuff. This is impossible. Eventually, they, the king says, well, forget about it. If you guys can't do such a simple thing, I'm going to kill you all. A little rash, maybe. And they come to say, hey, Daniel, we're killing all the wise men. And Daniel's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's, tell me, I want some more details, right? They say, well, the king has a dream and no one knows it. The king, Daniel says, I'll, I'll, I'll tell him the dream. Okay, a little bit of a bluff at that point, right? But then Daniel goes to his buddy. He says, we have to pray. We have to ask God. They seek God. They say, God, help us in our hour of need. You're awesome. You're the God over human history. You're everything. Help us. Tell us what's going on with this king. And in the night, Daniel receives the king's dream. God shows it to him, and he shows him exactly what it means. Daniel wakes up. He praises God. Thank you. And then he goes and meets with the king, and he says, I know your dream, and I can tell you what it means. Is that cool? I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I just want to point out, before we get to the dream, Daniel was able to speak to the king and have authority in front of the king and speak truth to power because he didn't bow down. Yeah. A lot of times we feel like if I want to, have, if I want to be relevant, if I want to matter and have, be able to speak to people, I've got, to, I've got to kind of maybe compromise on the edges. I've got to just become a little more like what's going on. Yeah. And Dan, what Daniel does is the exact opposite. He says, this is the way things are? Not for me, man. I live in God's kingdom. Like, you're a prisoner. Like, seriously, maybe like compromise a little bit. No, we're going to eat vegetables and water. Daniel stands up, and because of that, exclusively because of that, he ends up being able to sit before the king and tell him what his dream means. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty exciting stuff. So he sits down, and let me tell you what the king's dream was. Because it's a pretty bizarre dream, but it's actually really interesting for what we're talking about. The king's dream was there was a gigantic statue. Follow me here. It had a head of pure gold. Its shoulder area up here was silver. Bronze. You follow me? Most valuable, a little less, a little less. Bronze. Then there was iron. And then the bottom part was iron and clay mixed together. So there's this giant statue. And then in the king's dream, he sees a new stone made not by human hands come and just demolish the whole statue. Takes it to nothing. The wind blows and it goes away like dust in the wind. And the stone, the rock that destroyed them, becomes a mountain 
and takes over the whole earth. It's an interesting dream, right? And Daniel says, here's what it means. Your present kingdom, king, is the gold at the top. You have this glorious kingdom. It's powerful. It's great. But another kingdom is going to overtake you. And another after that, and another after that. And the last one will be another one, and they've mixed. This part's not important. He says, there's going to be kingdom after kingdom. But all of those pale in comparison to God's kingdom. There is one kingdom that's going to be around forever. And that kingdom will endure, and that is the God that I follow. Pretty powerful, right? And the king is impressed. The king says, not only does this Daniel guy know what's going on, this, this, the God of Daniel is a, is a big deal. We're going to start talking more about this guy, okay? Because he's a little bit humbled. A couple more times, you see the same kind of stuff. Daniel approaching the king. Daniel's friends standing up to the king, right? We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll, I'll just give it real quick. The king decides, we've got this golden statue. And with the poor advice of some friends, he decides everyone needs to worship the golden statue. The friends say, we're not going to do that. That's a big deal. The punishment was you get thrown into a fiery furnace. And the king said, hey, look, you guys broke the law. I'm throwing you in the fiery furnace. And they said, we don't care. Pretty bold. They said, our God's going to save us. And here's what I love. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, he's still God and we stand by him. We're following God and his kingdom. Not because something good is going to happen for me right now. I, I believe it will because I know his character. I know who he is. But even if he doesn't, God works in mysterious ways. I know it. I know that not everything's going to happen like I think it will. He is God. He alone is God. And we're not going to worship your idol. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Unapologetic. Right? Here's the way Jesus talks about it. Let's pull up that Matthew 7. Matthew 7. I have it here. I'm going to, I'll just try not to turn around. Therefore, anyone... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing. There's all these things you can invest your life in. There's all these things you can do to build your foundation, build your house. Every one of us is building a house every day. Not just us, everyone in the world. They're building a house. You're determining what you're investing in, what you're creating for yourself, for your family, for the people around you. And Jesus says there's one path to put that house on something sturdy. It's hear these words of mine and do them. Take the words of Jesus, take this, and do it. It's, it's really simple stuff, right? I mean, there's some of those dreams of Daniel, maybe last six chapters of Daniel. Don't worry about figuring that out just yet. But there's some really simple stuff, the words of Jesus. Just do that. Study the word of God. Obey Jesus. Simple things. And he says, if you do that, you're building your house on a rock. And look what happens. All the, rain, the rains came, the winds come. Everything you could imagine to shake this thing will come. But it did not fall because it's built on the rock. And the opposite is also true, right? I mean, this is the good, but Jesus says, if you don't, if you're building your house another way, then this stuff is still going to come. And that's, that's, I think the thing that's hard to see is when we see 
culture shift and culture change, and it feels like this is the new way that you have to be to be a part of the culture. It feels like, man, I, I, I kind of have to build up here or it's gonna, I'm not going to be able to interact with people and be part of polite society. But God's saying the exact opposite. Say, no, no, no. Whatever you build on that foundation, it's going away. And the things if Daniel had said, think about if Daniel had said, let's learn this stuff, guys, right? Let's study these books. Let's become like these guys. Let's eat their food. Let's worship their God. That kingdom fell. They, they would have been foolish even in the present because everything is fleeting. God's kingdom is everlasting. God's kingdom is eternal. But everything else, every other option we have, the one guarantee you have is it's fleeting. It's going away. And so you can choose, what am I going to invest my life in? What am I going to focus myself on? What's trending today isn't going to matter in two weeks. I got, I got off of Twitter. I'm a Rockets fan. This is True Confessions time. I'm a Rockets fan. We lost. It was painful. It was a humiliating loss. And I decided I don't want to hear about it. So I deleted my Twitter app. Just don't need to know what, what people think about that. That was uh, mid-May, let's say. Maybe early May. I don't know what's going on since then. Right? That's where I heard about trending. This is what's happening in the world. Since then, maybe somebody mentions it at work, and I go, what's that? Who, you know, we're talking about Area 51, what's going on? I don't know. I learned about things. They seem pretty interesting. But I don't know what's going I don't know what's trending. And so my mind isn't constantly focused on the latest thing that seems important. Right? But a good question when something seems important is, is this going to be important in two months? If it's not going to be important in two months, it probably was never important. Is that fair? My crazy talk? Okay. If no one's going to care about this in two months, it, would, it never actually mattered. But our society is increasingly powerful at telling us the opposite and saying, this matters. This is important. Right? I'm reading this book right now about persuasion. It's an interesting book. I'm in the sales role, and so I think it's interesting about persuasion. One of the things he talks about in the book, he says people talk about the power of the media to persuade. And he's, he's talking about media, he's talking about the news, CNN, Fox News, whatever, all of it. He said, he said that all of the study, all the research shows the media is actually not at all powerful at making you believe something. They're not, they're not good at changing what you believe. What they're really, really good at is deciding what you're thinking about. If the media says this is a big issue and they talk about it, all of a sudden we think, well, that's really important. Why aren't we talking more about that? That must be really important. And if you take a step back and look at it, two months later, they're not talking about it either, right? What's, what, if it's not important two months from now, it probably was never important. What will remain is God and God's kingdom. God's kingdom is going to be around forever. What does it look like? What does building your house on the rock look like? One of the first memories, I did not grow up following Jesus. Um, when I was in high school, my brother started to follow Jesus. And um, at my brother's wedding, I ended up at this like Bible study the morning of his wedding. And I'm freshman in college, not, not down with this. But I went to it because I'm in his wedding. I'm one of his groomsmen, and so we're there. And I remember so clearly, I, I remember this as much as anything I had learned about Christianity and spirituality before this moment. My, my brother's like Bible study leader or whatever who came over to do this like morning devotional before his wedding, he said, he said, what are the two things on this earth that will last forever? 
And there's like three or four guys that he was like discipling, investing in, and they all said it like this. They said, the souls of men and the word of God. And I was, I, I was struck by that. I was like, that's so fast. What an interesting way to think about the world. He said, these are the two things. That are gonna, the, of the stuff you can touch and feel that's around you, these are the two things that are going to last forever. Souls of men and the word of God. So what does it look like to build your house on the rock? Let's talk about people. We live in a world where we are interacting with other people. And I think a question we should be asking when we hear these words of Jesus, when we look at Daniel and the perspective of this everlasting kingdom is, what is the impact I'm having on the people around me? And, and I'm not just talking, I'm talking about everybody. There's believers in your life. What's the impact you're having on them to encourage them, to strengthen them? People, people need some strengthening, guys. I don't know if y'all know, people need some strengthening, right? We're, all of us know, look at yourself. Do you need some encouragement? Do you need some strengthening? Do you need someone to come alongside you and say, man, I'm fighting for you. I'm praying for you, right? We all know we need that, but we underestimate how much everyone else needs that and how much we have to give. Because what you need isn't Yoda to come in and give you this sage advice. You need someone to put their arm around you and say, brother, I am with you. In this struggle, whatever it is that's going on, whatever feels hard, I am with you. I believe in you. God is for you. I'm praying for you. I'm just going to speak scripture over you. Just simple truth. We all, that would, think about what a difference that would make in your own life. We all have that to give. And life, man, what's trending gets in the way. The urgent takes over for the important. And we miss out on ministering to people. Think about people who don't follow Jesus in your life. Obviously, that's where our mind goes, but um, both are important, right? What is the impact you're having on their life? What is the example you're setting of, here's who I am, here's what it is to follow Jesus? Think about Daniel. What if Daniel had just said, man, a ribeye sounds pretty good. I would like a ribeye. What kind of wine are we talking about? That would have been a simple decision. But the whole kingdom, the whole Babylonian kingdom would have missed out on this prophet in their midst who God wanted to speak to him. God wanted to speak to Nebuchadnezzar, right? God wanted to humble him and tell him, stuff is coming, man. And they would have missed out on it if Daniel had said, well, I'm going you know, to get comfortable. I'm here and look, hey, man, I'm, I'm in prison. I'm exiled. The least I could do is have a steak. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to live in a way that reflects God's eternal kingdom to all these people around me. Souls of men, the word of God is going to endure forever. The word of God, the revelation of who God is, is going to be something that if you're going to invest in something here, this is something that's going to matter two months from now. This is going to matter 2,000 years from now. I don't know how long we're going to be trucking here in human history, but whatever it is, this is going to matter that whole time, and then it's going to matter even after that. That's not true about anything else. And, and here's where I talked about. I talked about spiritual... Spiritually myopic. That's, that sounds like a bad thing. It's a limitation, but I think it's true of all of us. I don't think it's because we're sinful. I think God made us this way on purpose. And here's what myopic is nearsighted, right? It means what's here, I could read this bottle, but I can't see who that is, right? We're all of us spiritually nearsighted. Nearsighted is a problem if you have to like, go driving or something, right? But in a spiritual sense, it's not a problem because you can put whatever you want right in front of you and you're going to see it really, really well. Think about that. If you're spiritually nearsighted, and I think all of us are, that means you get to decide what's blurry and what's clear. The thing that's right in front of you, I promise it's going to be clear as day. 
The thing that's out here on the back burner, it's going to look blurry. And the way life comes at you fast, right? Um, is that Southwest Airlines? Life comes at you. Uh, is it Southwest? I'll figure it out. Life comes at you fast. And here's the thing with life comes at you fast, okay? Life is coming fast enough that you're going to have to choose what you're focused on. It can't, you can't do both, right? Ultimately, there's enough going on. There's enough urgency. There's enough things you have to do that you're going to have to make a decision. What am I focused on? What's right in front of me? And what's going to be over here? And if you decide that it's the word of God, it's going to make a massive impact in your life. It's going to give you a prevailing peace and joy that you can never catch up with by following what's trending. You don't have enough bandwidth, you don't have enough time to get enough of that to make you feel peaceful. You're always going to be chasing your own tail. But if you decide that's not going to matter in two months, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus right here. I'm going to spend my time right here studying the face of God. I'm going to read Jesus. I'm going to read his teachings over and over again so that they get deep in my heart. And I can experience peace and joy that comes only from studying him. How much stress and anxiety is in our lives because we're focused on this current kingdom and we're trying to catch up with it and we're trying to live in it and and we're trying to be ambassadors in the wrong way instead of understanding, man, I'm just not a citizen here. Like I'm I'm a visitor. I'm a visitor from another kingdom and I'm going to do what I can and I hope this place goes well, but this thing is not going to be around for that long in in the grand perspective. Right? And when I say this thing, I'm talking about all of it. I'm talking about our you know, corporate America, all the cultural stuff that you get sucked into and pulled into. It's just not going to matter in, in a very short while. But what's going to be around forever is God and his kingdom. And we have an opportunity to put God right in front of us. We've said over and over again in the series, and I love it, God doesn't do distance. right? And that's the beauty. Spiritually myopic, the good thing is God is right here. He's never far away. Sometimes we're looking at something else and he's blurry. But it's not because he's far away. It's because we're not looking at it. We haven't put our face in front of it. It's right here. And if you put the right thing in front of you, the other stuff's going to get blurry. And that's really what we want, right? When you think about the stress of your life, the anxiety, the stuff where you're feeling against it and you just don't have the resources you need, what you really need is for that stuff to just get a little blurry. Right? When it's crystal clear, when your challenge and your struggle is crystal clear in front of you, that feels impossible. When we focus on Jesus, we put him in front of us, that stuff can go far, far away. So we want to pray for people today. We want to minister to people. I know the team's coming up here. Um, but I, I prayed a lot about this. I said, God, who is this? I feel like this message is for hopefully all of us, but there's somebody I want to, I want to minister to today. And here's who it is. I want to minister to people who feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, but I just can't see it, right? God's kingdom, the, all this stuff, the eternal stuff, the significance, the, the promise, all of that, that feels, I, I just can't even make it out because I've got this current struggle that is so large and I can't look away. It's taken my whole attention and I just feel like this is, what's, this is what there is. Right? And that's probably how a lot of the people in Daniel's day felt. And we, we, we listened, we uh, talked about Ezekiel, who was kind of a contemporary of Daniel. He's speaking to these people. And, and most of the people gave up. Most of the people felt like, this is it. 
this is my new reality, man. And if that's how you're feeling, and, it, and we all can feel that way. If you, if, you, if you lose sight, you can feel that way. But that's who I want to pray for today. I want to invite you to come down here. God wants to minister to you. People want to come and pray for you. Um, I'm going to pray, and I just, I would invite you. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like you're looking at the wrong thing, the wrong thing is in focus. We want to, what we want to do is come around you as a community, that support that I'm talking about, and just lift your head to see God's here, right? God doesn't do distance. He's close. So I'm going to pray, and I, and I just want to invite you guys to come down if you want to get prayed for. Jesus, you, I, just de- I want to declare over all of us today that you're close, God. You're the rock, you're the, you're the king who's going to be on his throne forever. And you're close, God. Eternity's not far away, God. It's right here, Jesus. I thank you that you have opened your arms wide to be close to us. I just lift up anyone who's in here today who's struggling with that reality where that feels far away, that feels not true. They, they see their struggle, but they can't see the King. Pray that you would open our eyes today to see your kingdom, to see that you are over all of it.